Welcome to the Jack and John Podcast. I'm Jack. And I'm John. And we're on a mission. To help you focus on Christ. Well, Jack, we finally made it. We are. We're at the last chapter, John. Oh, my goodness. Can you remember back when yeah. we were uh, thinking about doing it? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say we were younger then, but no, we were still <laughs> old then, too. Anyway. Well, I think it... Uh, Mark has been very satisfying. Yeah. I think he's fulfilled what we wanted him to do. Yeah. So this is it. We're going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, we talked about the cross being the pivotal moment in in our history because that truly is where we, we hit a crossroads as humanity because Jesus is our Passover lamb. But the resurrection... Well, without wow. the resurrection, he's dead. Right. And we serve a living God, living Savior. Right. And that is unique. There were some even there were some even in the early days that were trying to deny the mm-hmm. resurrection. And uh, Paul said to the Corinthians, "It's like, or Corinthians or Colossians, sorry." So, <laughs> you know, if if not for the resurrection, we're the most miserable people right. of all. Right. Um, All right, well, let's read this. All right, so Mark chapter 16 and verse 1. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? (laughs) What a great question. But as they arrived, they look up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked. But the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. Yeah, it's like um, at dawn, these ladies are up early Mm -hmm. and um, they're there for a specific purpose. And what greeted them would be shocking if you had never seen anything like this before, though they had been told. And uh, it's kind of interesting how everyone changed. In, in our every believer that changed after the resurrection. Oh, yeah. Once they got it, once they realized that he truly was no longer dead, but truly alive, those people changed. And Mark's been kind of giving us a character study on these people surrounding Christ uh, through this last week of his life. And uh, when you see how these people are affected by the resurrection of Christ, especially when you look at all of the synoptic gospels and put all of the information together, there's quite a bit of information there. Uh, Mark, as we said, is very concise and, uh, you know, doesn't uh, embellish a whole lot. 
Mm -hmm. uh, but he does tell us a few interesting tidbits uh, about what was going on. And um, one thing that was going on was it was the women that were coming to the tomb and not the disciples. Unfortunately, the disciples kind of hole up in a room, kind of hiding away because um, they're in fear as well, fear of the Romans uh, and the leaders in the Jewish nation uh, that maybe they would turn their sights on them, which they did, by the way, mm -hmm. as they went out in the book of Acts. And you see that happening in the second chapter. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, interesting how, how this is affecting everyone. And I suppose how it should affect all of us as well. Absolutely. You know, there's so many things that, that just come to mind when you think about the whole thing. I mean, in our culture, this kind of stuff, it, it wouldn't happen the same way because nobody goes to the grave, you know, three days yeah, after, yeah, right. <laughs> you know. Uh, and and it's, it's not like you, you're not going to have the body prepared in time or that sort of thing, you know. But here, it, he was buried in haste. You know, Joseph of Arimathea asked for his body to put him in the tomb and... <clears throat> And, you know, he died before the, the sunset, which would have opened up the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And uh, according to the, the Jewish law and tradition, they wouldn't have been able to do anything with him um, because of that, uh, because of the Sabbath. So they needed to get him in the ground quickly. Right. So they put him in the tomb. They didn't have time to do all of this. So it, it just made sense that. Here they're getting the spices and things to prepare his body, mm -hmm. um, which I think about what they were anticipating. You know, when we go to a funeral home, what do you see? Well, the body's pretty pristine yeah. at that point. Right. It, the body's dead, but it's kind of a false death. It, it's not you know, at all the same. Of, no, when you think about true death, the first thing that starts happening is the body begins to deteriorate and rot away. And uh, there's and a lot smell. of uh, yeah. There's a lot of things that uh, come along with that, and odor is one of them. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, Jack. When I was um, a medical student, <clears throat> you know, <laughs> before they let you see live people, they let you see dead people. You know, not like the sixth sense, but <laughs> but no, they let you see, see dead people because. You can't hurt him, right? <laughs> you know, here, cut on this Whoops. guy. Um, oh, I went too deep. Sorry. Oh, oh, he's already dead. But but though even those bodies, when you're in your cadaver lab, they're all treated with formalin. Now it's got its own Sin. smell, and I mean, and it permeates everything. But I got to tell you, we did. Um, I got to do autopsies. As a as a medical student, and I feel I know she said I got to do. I would have said they made me, or I had to do it. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, but, but, you I'm know, and for and for, for some of my classmates, it was like, oh, we have to do this. No, no, for me, it's like what a Ooh. tremendous learning oh, experience, and uh, you just you learned so much. But yes, the autopsy, yeah, you're looking at a dead body. But even there, even there, we had a morgue, okay? You got this refrigerated room, basically keeps that body cold. Um, so, but when you go in there, there's, a, there's an odor, all right? There's an odor of death, 
All right. And when I was doing cadaver lab and I'd get home and I learned very quickly, don't wear natural fibers. Okay. Because cotton and flannel and that kind of stuff, mm-mm, bad idea. <laughs> um, I would get home. My wife and I were... We and it were, would permeate we were, the, right. the uh, material. We were newlyweds. Okay? Uh, smell, you smell great, John. Uh, yeah. Go to the other room. I would get home. <laughs> no, well, it wasn't even that. It's like, take off your clothes it, <laughs> right now. Don't even step in. So I, I would literally take my clothes off and in just in the front door, I'd stuff them in a bag. And then I go straight away and, and wash them by themselves, okay? Because you're bringing that odor into right. the house. But I'm telling you what, the odor from doing an autopsy had a different thing about it than the formalin because uh. it hung on even more. And so here are these women, they don't have a refrigerated morgue that they're going to. They're going to see this body three days after. Now, that is a tough and difficult experience. None of us have ever had to do that. No, nobody that's listening has ever had to go prepare the body of a loved one. A crucified body. I, I just can't even imagine and then just imagine this world. So they're going into this thinking the absolute worst. You know, here's their dearly loved friend. You know, the guy that's raised your brother from the dead kind of thing. You know, you're going to see his body to prepare it for a proper burial because he didn't get one. Because of the Sabbath, right? Yeah. He gets murdered as a criminal. He takes on a criminal's death. And now he's been laying in this tomb for three days and you're going to prepare his body. And then what happens? It ain't there. Yeah. He's not there. Well, I was just thinking kind of another topic, but I was just thinking when you said, you know, how different it is when we have a funeral service and uh, this funeral service of Jesus is so different. And I've done myriads of grave sites. And I don't know if people realize what ministers or pastors do, but basically when you're standing at that graveside, you have about five minutes, you read a scripture, you pray a prayer, you might say a few words of committal of the body. Mm-hmm. But basically what I say is we are standing by the last resting place of all that is mortal of fill in the name. You know, it's hard to disassociate the spirit from the body that it indwelt. But this is only the worn out body of, of the loved one, the spirit mm-hmm. we leave with God. And so I usually say we put over you the beautiful greens of summer and the beautiful white of winter. And may you rest in peace. We know that your spirit is with God and God will do what's right. In other words, this is the end. You don't have to come back here. You know, we're committing this body and and uh, it's done walk away. The spirit is no longer here. Mm-hmm. But Jesus' spirit comes and reanimates, re-inhabits that body uh, and, and, and brings it back to life. Right. And reinvigorates it. Reinvigorates it. it well, yeah. Resuscitates yeah. it or resurrects it. Right. And um, I mean, literally. <laughs> now, there's an important thing I think we need to understand here, too. And that is 
Jesus didn't like resurrect his body the same way that somebody's had a cardiac arrest. Oh no, yeah, like and that. and they Shock. and they come back because you know we shocked them and boom, here they are back. No, uh, he didn't come back into a mortal body. He enlivened that body and gave it eternal life. It, it, that's that's how we get eternal life. Yeah, it's interesting that. Um and I think it's in this chapter uh, where the two on the road to Emmaus, he comes to them in a different form. Right. Well, they don't it recognize says, him. So at they least. don't recognize yeah. him because he's. So it's interesting. That's interesting mm-hmm. to think about. It uh, truly how is. That, how that how that worked and how Jesus did that and what that body looked like and. Yeah, and I got to tell you, and this this is going to sound a little bit like an advertisement, and it, and it's not intended to be, um, because I. I didn't really start to think about it that way too much until I read The Shack. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, The Shack's kind of a controversial book. Um, it, it was a huge bestseller. If you've not read it, I encourage you to read it. And I encourage you to read it not as a theological text. Okay. Uh-huh. It's not that. Just read it for the things that you can glean from it because it will make you think. Okay. Don't read it so much with a critical eye because there are things in there that, that make people bristle. But, you know, read it and ask God to speak to you through that story. Because, I mean, I've read stories that are written by people that didn't have any intention for it to sound anything Christian. Read it as a mature Christian. But, right. Read that, it recognizing right. that it's a fictional Instead story. With a critical eye. Exactly. Uh, with a learning eye. Because you can get some inspiration out of it, and that book can bring you closer to God, not because you're getting some super deep theology or, or whatever, but because you're inviting God to come and speak to your heart. Okay, there are a lot of people that watched The Matrix and saw some corollary with that story that made them think about the big story and about Jesus. Well, I'm going to tell you, there's nothing about that movie that was intended to do that. Okay, so don't get so hung up on it. But that was the first glimpse that I thought uh, where I'm picturing the humanity of Jesus and its persistence into eternity. Because, yeah, they did, after he broke the bread, they recognized, hey, that's Jesus, you know? And and the same kind of experience over and over again. It's like something happens that opens their eyes and they recognize it's him. Um, but he goes on. He's... He's eternal because not only did he come back to life, but he came back to live eternally. Um, and that's the, the huge difference. Because what happened to Lazarus? Well, he His brought, body just died. Yeah. Now, now Lazarus, I can tell you, <laughs> he's resurrected again and he's with Christ. But it's not, not the same thing, you know. Right. Anyhow, there's a lot of mysteries still to be revealed when when we see him face to face. Right now, we're it's like Paul said, you know, we we see through a glass darkly, or we're seeing a, a dim reflection, or however you want to describe that. It, you know, it's not clear yet, but it's going to be. And boy, I can't wait. First John three, it has not yet been known what we shall be, but we know that when we 
see him, we'll see him just as he is and we'll be like him. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I think you can kind of correlate that with we will be like him in a resurrected body. Right. We don't know what that form is going to look like right now, but it will be an eternal body, not made with men's hands, but uh, eternal in the heavens. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Some big stuff. So one of the things, Jack, you pointed this out a few weeks ago when we were talking about, you know, Peter Mm -hmm. and his denial. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that that's a, a critical piece of, of what uh, Mark has written in here when the, the young man in the tomb says to the women, go tell the disciples and Peter, you know, mm-hmm. I think that was written in here as a way to say he needs He's to understand, right, He's he needs included. to understand that that denial did not cut him off because Jesus didn't deny him, you know. That's right. Yeah, he didn't deny him. So, you know, Mark gives us the succinct version here because he didn't didn't go on and tell the whole rest of the story. Two verses instead of two verses. There there are plenty of people who would take advantage of this kind of thing to tell you that, oh, well, see, the Gospels, uh, they contradict each other. Because right here it says they, they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. Well, this isn't the end of the story either. No. And I think how I would interpret that if I were an investigator is they didn't say anything until they got to the disciples. Yeah. Well, they, one of the other gospels speaks of Mary yeah. bumping into what she thought was the gardener. Right. That is Jesus Christ himself. Yeah. And she tries to cling to him. She tries to hold on. And uh, he tells her, don't, uh, don't cling to me, Mary. You need to go. You got some stuff to do. And he told her to go to the, to mm-hmm. the disciples. Well, not only that, but it, it, it says, don't touch me because I've not yet ascended, ascended. to the Father. Mm-hmm. Now, that raises up a whole another yeah. set of questions because... Um, there's nothing in Scripture that tells us that Jesus went to the Father at that moment. Well, he stayed on earth, I would, you know, for a period of time. He appeared mm-hmm. to over 500 people all at once. Right. In one particular time, and he appeared to the disciples as if he came through the wall. And I mean, there were all kinds of things that we see in here where. Uh, if you just read that real quick and don't start to sit there and think about it. Yeah. But if you start thinking about it, you might do what we're doing. We're kind of just kind of laying here now, you know, just kind of talking about some of these issues. When I think about that, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't have the answer, and I don't think it's important to beat it to death because it's not in there. The Bible doesn't really tell us. But I think that he went to the Father, mm. you know, because... Um, he didn't tell anybody else after that, don't touch me because I haven't been to the Father. He tells Thomas, hey, yeah, touch my hands touch and my see, hands and touch my side. side. Yeah. Um, and once again, I think, John, that the touching is kind of this attitude or this idea of kind of holding on to the old and not allowing him to continue in his journey mm-hmm. into the resurrected state of eternity. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, we made it. Did you want to read it or? 
Uh, the, we read it. The okay. rest, the rest of this. Okay, just to clarify, there's part of Mark uh, that some Bibles have that newer Bibles don't, and some people criticize that wrongly. Um, but the reason that it, that you're not going to find, you know, verse nine to seventeen. Um, is because it's not in the older texts. You know, those are editorial things that were added later. Does that mean that they were wrong? No. Here's the thing people need to understand. When things are added to the text, um, it's because a scribe who's writing at a later time, they know things that may have been lost from the earlier writing to now, and they want to explain it. So it's not written to add new things to the text, but it's written more for explanation. I mean, that's the best way to say it. Because um, you'll find little snippets of that through mm -hmm. other pieces yeah. of the text. Yeah. So. Well, very good. All right, guys. Thanks for hanging in there with us. We made it through the Gospel of we Mark. We did. We did. All Fun. Right. So... We're going to take on some new topics coming up. If you have suggestions or things you'd like to hear us talk about, please reach out to us. That email actually does work. Connect at symbol jackandjohnpodcast.com. Um, hit us up with a message. You know, drop a comment on our Facebook page if, if that's easier for you. Um, come up to our house if you know us. <laughs> If you don't, please don't. Uh, <laughs> but get a hold of us and let us know what you'd like to hear. One of the things that we're going to do is we're going to uh, talk about big churchy words. Yeah. You know. Dispensationalism. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, propitiation, uh, even repentance. Uh, you know, some of these words that just aren't just aren't normal vernacular. Vernacular. Yes. See, vernacular isn't really vernacular either, is it? That's kind of an interesting one. Anyway, we love you guys. Thank you so much for putting up with us. And uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>